0: Welcome into another episode of Inside the Nest. What a win on Saturday for Kennesaw State. 31-6 over Jacksonville State. Barkley Miller, Brandon Sutton, Jordan Griffith, and me, Nolan Alexander. We're going to break down that victory and then look ahead to the start of Big South Conference play as the Owls take on Hampton University this Saturday. We'll also be joined by offensive lineman Zion Katina later on in the podcast. Jordan will have the Big South Blitz. And then we will see if Barkley Miller can get his second win. Yeah. Brandon's going ahead and saying no. We, we think it's a no. Peace out. Nope, it's not happening. Not today. <laughs> haters. A bunch of haters, man. Well, it's all coming up next. So let's go ahead and get started here on Inside the Nest. Welcome into Inside the Nest. Here's the podcast, True. Barkley Miller, former Al defensive lineman. Brandon Sutton, former Al offensive lineman. Jordan Griffith current Owl intern of the Owl Radio Network, and I'm Nolan Alexander, voice of the Owls. Okay, guys, going in, we thought the Jacksonville state Kennesaw State game was going to be Chapter 3 of a thriller, another close game. That was over with early. Not to say Jacksonville State didn't have its chances, but without a doubt, the best four-quarter showing that we've seen from Kennesaw State football this year and all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams for the most part, really took it to JSU. And there was no doubt who was the better team at 5th, 3rd Bank Stadium on October
1: 2nd. And yeah, Nolan, you're, you're one of you right. That was, that was a great showing by all three phases of the Kennesaw State team. Um, Saturday, it was Jacksonville State was not ready to play. I, I don't know what it was. The offense looked, looked I'm not going to say bad, but they just looked like they couldn't get it together. They just a lot of people weren't on the same page. Uh, the, the quarterback, Zeke uh, Zaire Cooper, he did everything he could to keep, this, keep that team in the game. They were able to make plays, but they just were not able to do anything in the red zone throughout that entire ball game.
2: Yeah, Brandon. I mean, it, it was dominating fashion from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. I'll tell you what was most impressive to me was. Just how well both of the lines played on each side. I mean, they dominated the line of scrimmage defensively and offensively. They got after those guys, and those aren't any slouches over there at JSU, which was so shocking to me. I thought it was going to be more of a fourth quarter brawl, and then you know more towards the end of the third, early fourth, it was whenever Kennesaw's depth was going to kind of show, and then the triple option was going to kind of was going to take advantage. With that being said, that's not what we saw at all. I mean, it was it was on site for the offense. Those guys were rolling early and often. It was nice to see the B-back was working. You know, X-Man was getting it to the pitch. It was total domination is the only way to really describe it. And,
1: man, I'm glad I was there to watch it. It was nice. <laughs> And it was really nice to see how Coach Chestnut was able to mix up the play calling on Saturday. He was able to hit a lot of stuff from the b backs a lot of stuff from the slots. And then we were able to get into that passing game, like we talked about a little bit earlier uh, last week. And it was, it was really great to see from this offense showing that we're still building just in, uh, incremental improvement, as Coach Chestnut would say. But we're still building to put, on, put together a great product here that's going to show up and last, last throughout the playoffs. Yeah, week by week it's a different team, which is nice to see. They're
2: getting these kids are getting better. They're getting more used to running the offense. And going back to what you said, man, talk about a way to open it up. Open it up with a with a drop back pass, man. It got everybody shocked. It, it was it's it's fun to see stuff like that though, you know. And I think that definitely threw them off guard. They came out in that 50 defense, they switched to the four two one a little bit after they were getting Um, gashed with that, and it seemed like they did not have an answer for Coach
3: Chestnut's offense on Saturday, man. Yeah, I would say the one word, I don't want to add too much, because you guys made a lot of good points, was comfortable, and Kennesaw State was comfortable in everything that they did on both sides, and that is not what we expected at all. We expected it to be a very uncomfortable, a battle from both sides, and it just felt like Kennesaw State did whatever they want to do, and again, give credit to Kennesaw State as much as I'm surprised that that happened from Jacksonville State. That that uh, game played out like that, but once again, uh, Kennesaw State got—they were comfortable. They did anything that they wanted in that game.
0: Y'all spoke about how well both sides of the line played. I think this stat speaks to it perfectly: the difference in rushing offense. Now, typically, Kennesaw State's going to outrush the opponent by you know at least a hundred yards. That's somewhat of a given, no matter how much the other team rushes. Two hundred and seventy-one. 271, outgained JSU rushing by 200 yards. And guys, back-to-back games, Kennesaw State has given up a minuscule amount of rushing yards, 67 against Wofford, 71 against Jacksonville State. And I think there's there's two plays that kind of even it out for me. One, the long run by Josh Samuel, uh, give him credit for JSU and give Spotsville credit for tracking him down. But then two, you had... The sack of Cooper with the lost football and that, you know, lost 20, 30 yards for Jacksonville State. So this kind of evened each other out to me. So I feel like it's a true 71 rushing yards in a ball game compared to 271 for Kennesaw State. This game uh, was highlighted by what X-Man Xavier Shepard did, earning Big South Player of the Week honors, Honorable Mention National Player of the Week but it was that front five for KSU and then on the other side, the front four and that D line that had their way with the Gamecocks.
2: Yeah, and another one, Nolan, forcing Zarek Cooper to throw two picks wherever he hasn't thrown one all season. And a little asterisk by that two picks, that could have easily been five interceptions. Three dropped ones, Chance Bates dropped one right in his hands, Cole Loden, everybody saw that one right in his hands. And we had one more drop. I don't remember who it was, uh, though. it, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. And they, they were all over that kid. He he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket and he wasn't very accurate whenever he did either, because the Kennesaw state defensive secondary was so coach Saffers done a great job with those kids this year. So far, I just want to make a note of that He he's coached them up and they're, they're a completely different looking group than they were week one against Reinhardt. Uh, Zarek Cooper was 19 for 32 for 212 yards. He only was averaging six and a half yards on an attempt. That's, Insane for a guy who was on the Walter Payton watch list going into this game. There's a bunch of just sneaky stats in this week that just showed how really dominant KSU was over Jacksonville
1: State this week. And I just think, going off what Mark was saying, just continuing from this, from we've seen two weeks in a row now, this defense has shown up to play. Like, they were coming out with a great plan, great schemes, and they're putting it together. And I want to uh, just – another big kudos to this defensive line because this week they put on a show. We had uh, a lot of guys back, so there was a lot of rotation. We were able to keep fresh bodies in there, and they put pressure on Zarek Cooper in every quarter of this ballgame. And that – and it showed. Like he – almost, like Bargy said, he almost – through five interceptions in this ballgame. Two that counted, but the other three, they were they were all in big parts, uh, big moments of the game, where it literally just te- uh, showed that the defense showed up and bowed their neck and said, hey, we're not allowing anything cheap besides the one score late in the game. And they just, it was an excellent performance by both sides of the ball. Uh, great special teams play by uh, Desmond Scott getting the block uh, kick off, uh, PAT. And it was, just, it was really excellent to see all three phases of the game come together and see the winning brand of Kansas football.
0: Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys a question. I want to start with Brandon's answer. Back to the dropped interceptions. After a big win, what do the offensive guys say to the defensive guys that drop the picks in the locker room? And then I want to, see, I want to hear what Barkley says the defensive guys
1: retort with. It's an immediate clown session. So uh, first things first. That's why you're not a wide receiver. Everybody hears that one. You got to hit them with that one. And then after that, you just, I was like, hey, what, what happened? What happened? You, you make sure they're around when you're playing it in the film room. Just like, hey, what, what happened on the play man? What happened on the play? Just get, get too happy with seeing it and come to your hands. And then you always got to hit them with the old butter fingers. That, that's the best
2: part. I think a lot of it depends what position group it is too, though, Sud. I mean, like, you look at Chance Bates. He's not going to get as much flack as Cole Loden's going to get this week, man. I mean, you know he, he's constantly getting passes thrown his way. He constantly gets to you know attempt interceptions at practice from their run Skelly and everything. And they're gonna be like, man, you gotta get on the jug machine. They're gonna be all on him. And, and then I'll tell you who's gonna be the worst. Coach K loves giving guys flack for stuff like that. He's gonna make them do some some hand exercises in the weight room. Work work on that at grip strength. It's you know, exactly Hold, <laughs> holding those dumbbells, those kettlebells. Uh, it, it's stuff like that and. I'll tell
0: you what, hazing guys in the locker room over that stuff is funny. It's a lot of fun to do. So, another thing that stood out to me, the time of possession, over 37 minutes time of possession for Kennesaw State. And, Jordan, looking back at the scoring drives, this wasn't just a flash in the pan. These were methodical marches. First drive, nine plays for 75 yards. Second scoring drive, 11 plays for 50 yards. Third scoring drive, 13 plays, 53 7.38 in the third quarter for the Shepherd run. And the last scoring drive, 15 plays, 75 yards, almost nine minutes off the clock. Kennesaw State was rarely ever going to be denied on third down, usually set up by a nice play by Shepard or one of the B-backs, Glover or Daniels, on first down.
3: Yeah, and you said it all pretty much. Xavier Shepard had such a game. You guys probably got his stats right there with you. and He just has changed so much throughout the season and it's just it's crazy to see the maturation that he's been able to have in this triple option but once again Kennesaw State was comfortable and everything that they wanted they had and again there wasn't a single third down at least in my mind where I was thinking yeah they're not going to be able to get this one because when Kennesaw State gets behind the chains we know with the triple option especially that's how you can make them uncomfortable and that's how you can change the game. But there wasn't a single third down on that game where I thought, oh, I'm going to hold my breath on this one. It, it just seemed almost guaranteed. And Shepard deserves so much credit, not only for the stat line that he's put up, but to be able to come in and take over for Murphy, it's it's just been, it's been special to see.
2: Yeah, and I so, mean, if you just look at this third down efficiency, Kennesaw State 11 for 15, that's – I mean, that's insane. It's hard to lose a ball game going 11 for 15 on third down compared to Jacksonville State's. Five for 10, and that's throwing in a bunch of garbage time first downs that they got late. They, they were struggling to keep themselves on the field. They went for it a lot on fourth down as well, because I know after Kennesaw State got up 14 0 with those big drives, I think that Coach Gross had that feeling we're going to have to score to keep in this game. And man, they were stopping them on fourth down too. It was it was definitely wild. And seeing X-Man just grow as a triple option quarterback over the past two games, Wofford and Jacksonville State, it's been, Really fun to see. I know a lot of people were questioning, you know, how he was going to play with the limited amount of reps that he's had so far. I mean, I think he's definitely come and show out. I think Walford was definitely a good game for him, but Jacksonville
1: stayed at home, that was his coming out party. And I agree with you, Barkley. His progression as a player over the last few weeks has just been tremendous. He's just continued to – getting more and more comfortable in this offense. Like JG said, and just that comfortability has just been showing more and more each week. He's, he was able to take full control of that offense. Him and Coach Chestnut were able to just do whatever they wanted on the field. If they needed, no matter the situation, if it was like, hey, it's first down, we just need a few yards. Boom, get three or four yards right here, next play, take a shot if we want, or something to the outside, get a first down. They were just chopping their way up the field, slow, eating clock, and they and it just showed they were in full control of that ball game, all four quarters. And I feel like it's just a testament to how much X has grown in these last few weeks since the Georgia Tech
0: game. You're right, career-high 124 rushing yards, three touchdowns, first out, a rush for three scores since Tommy Bryant in the spring opener against Shorter. One of my favorite moments of the game, guys, and I'm curious of your thoughts, was second half, under duress, knows he's about to take a licking from a couple of Gamecocks, throws off the back foot, heaves up a prayer, Hagler's there. After he gets smacked, he's down on the field and then comes back in two place later. That impressed me greatly. How did y'all feel about X going down, banged up a little bit, coming back in, and then leading Kennesaw State to another scoring drive? To me,
2: that spoke volumes, not only just to X's toughness, but to how much the coaches believe in a man. I mean, we've seen it over the past few years where the coaches feel very comfortable with two quarterbacks, and they're okay running each of them in the game. And, you know, a lot of times, like with Tommy, we would all see Murph on the third drive of the game, no matter how the game was going. And it was so – it would have been so easy there to just let Murph stay in the game after that snap because – Kennesaw State was up by a lot. The game was pretty much in hand and decided. But I don't know about you, Nolan. I saw him on the sidelines. He was talking to Coach Bohan. He was like, no, I want to go. Like, I want to go. And he, he put him right back out there. I mean, that that spoke to his maturity not only in the play, but just to bounce back from a hit like that as a triple option quarterback is so tough. Because I, I know he, for him to not get up and with the licks that he took the rest of that game as well, he must have been hurting. It, I think he earned a lot of his teammates' respect by doing that as well. Uh on a side note, though, another one of my favorite parts of the game was kind of the game as well. It was whenever X scored his second touchdown. I was one up 14-0. And my buddy here, Nolan Alexander, had personally one of my favorite calls that he's given. We're about to go into a break, and he hits something with a, X going to give it to you, and we're going to see you on the other side of the half. That was, that was pretty awesome. That, me and Brandon were talking about that after the game.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. So uh funny I shouldn't say funny story. Okay. When X made his first start against Robert Morris in the spring, I had a line ready to go like that. But that was the weekend DMX, like, you know, had, had his medical episode and then passed away like that weekend. So laid off on it, but RIP DMX, no. A little, 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 little shout out there. X, X is fun to watch, guys. Seeing the way he has operated this offense. And, and here's what Coach told us during the week. In this offense, the quarterback doesn't have to be the playmaker. Has to be able to make, make the right reason, to distribute the football. When you do that, it leads to games like this. When you rush 30 times, you get a career-high 124 yards, you score three touchdowns, you're up for national player of the week. It happens. And here's what's going to happen at Hampton. I'm just going to go ahead and say this out there. Hampton's going to say, all right, Xavier Shepard is not going to beat us today. And we're not going to let Kyle Glover get five yards. So what's going to happen? I think the slot backs Saturday are going to go off. I think Isaac Foster is going to come back. He's going to have a huge game. Pharaoh, Adelike, score the first touchdown. Cousin, all those guys. I mean, if I'm Hampton saying, all right, not going to lose to X, not going to lose to Glover and Daniels. Let's see what the slots can do. And... That seems to be how this offense works. Somebody's a great game. They're like, all right, they're not going to beat us. Let's try the other side. And they get beat by that.
1: And Nolan, you're, you're right. That's, that's literally exactly how this offense works. As the quarterback in this triple option scheme, all X's job is just to be the distribution manager. He needs to get the ball to the best place at the best time. And when he does that, teams try to, cut off some of those best options, which allows for him to have big games like we saw on Saturday. And going into Hampton, that's exactly you're exactly right. I feel like they're gonna try to load the box, put a lot of pressure inside and try to just control this offense and try to force us to kick it outside. But that unfortunately for them, we have some really fast guys at those slot back positions that are gonna be able to make some really, really good plays. So I'm gonna be I'm really hopeful that they come with a good 50 stack look, something to pressure us, try to Forces inside, trying to put more pressure on X and two backs. But as we all know, we're going to just try to bounce that thing outside, get some passes, hopefully, and just try to take control of the game from a different angle. Yeah, I
2: think I agree with everything Brandon said. That's the reason it's the triple option, right? You take away two, you're still going to have one open. And that's a point of the triple option. We haven't really seen just shine yet this year is the A-backs. I mean, we've seen glimpses. We've seen Nikeem, we've seen Mike Mike, we've seen Adela all those guys break off some big runs, but not anything like we've seen in the past, especially 2019 and 2018 with Darnell and some of those other guys just kind of taking over the game. Haven't seen that yet this year. And I think it's because that's a part of the game that these teams went into this year saying that they wanted to cut that off, seeing the past success. And that's where we've seen the likes of Kyle Glover, Preston Daniels have giant games and now – We've seen Xavier Shepard step in on that role and have a big game as well.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I think we said this on the radio call as well. But, I mean, you guys wouldn't know Barkley and Nolan big time on us on TV, but uh, is that Isaac Foster, two, two carries for six yards, and they did all of this without him. That, that's what's so impressive to me is that coming into this year, obviously Foster's the guy. He's probably one of the best players on the team, athletic-wise at least, and they're able to score this many points, have this many yards on the ground, and him not be a contributor in that game. That says a lot about just the talent that they have. And again, X, he's doing it, man. He's doing everything that he needs to, and uh, especially bouncing back off that off the Georgia Tech game. Wofford, amazing game, and now Jacksonville State. I mean, he's just at another level right now.
0: Well, we look forward to watching X and the Owls this Saturday against Hampton. Kickoff is 2 o'clock against the Pirates to begin Big South play. We'll have it for you on the KSU Owl Network, you can listen on the brand new KSU Owls app, ksuowls.com, and on TuneIn. This is a different Hampton team than what Kennesaw State saw back in 2019. The Pirates come in 2-2 two and two on the year. They just had the Battle of the Bay for the first time in four years. A rivalry game against their old Miak foe, Norfolk State, went to overtime. The Pirates lost to the Spartans 47-44. There are playmakers on this Hampton side. Get ready. Jet Duffy in that game against Norfolk State, four touchdowns, 370 yards. Receiving-wise, Jadicus Bonds, six catches, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. So offensively for Hampton, it's going to be another test for this KSU defense. Can the Owls do what they've done in back-to-back weeks, shut down opponents, take away the run, force them to pass, get after the quarterback, and make that extremely difficult?
2: I think yes. I think not anything against Hampton, you're right. This is a completely different Hampton team. They've done a really good job with that program up there, building it up. I just think that they have a few more steps to go before they're all the way there. And the way that Kennesaw stated the defensive line especially, has played against the likes of even Georgia Tech, I think just shows how talented and deep these guys really are. It's going to be so tough. And I think if I was Hampton, that would be one of my – Biggest points of emphasis this week at practice is we have to win up front with our offensive line. We can't let the likes of Tyler Moore, Desmond Scott, Kelsey Allen, all in everyone else, get after our quarterback. Stop the inside run. Take you know just really tie their hands and make them one dimensional. So I think that trend's going to continue. I would be very surprised if it didn't this week. Um, but hey, this is college football in twenty
1: twenty one. Anything can happen. And, you know, as they say, that's why you play the game, man. But um, I'm really excited to see just how, how Coach V is going to come out with this scheme for this team that seems pretty air-happy, so they're going to try to chuck the ball down the field pretty often. So coming off the Georgia Tech game, where they were uh, a pretty – I'd say a pretty pass-happy team, but they they weren't really able to get too many deep balls on us, and we, were pretty, and we were pretty much able to control a lot of the stuff going on. So I feel like coming into this game, this is where we're going to have to try to take – another step forward in our past defense. And I think that's just going to be another key thing that we're going to need going forward in this season, getting ready to play more and more teams uh, down the road. So I I think this weekend is going to be a a really great learning lesson and opportunity that I think the hours are going to come ready to go. for.
3: Yeah. And I actually look at Hampton a lot. Like I kind of look at Gardner Webb, and again, not I don't want to take anything away from the pirates, but it just seems as though there's certain opponents where they can put those points up. And then there are certain weeks where they can't. And Gardner-Webb, they did that last week against Monmouth. We saw that. It, I'm not sure what's going to happen. That's Again, that's why you play the game. But I would be shocked if Kennesaw State doesn't have a repeat of what happened last week in terms of the offensive and defensive line play.
0: Any concern from you guys of playing a huge game at home against Jacksonville State, a game that's been circled for a while, and then going in the road to a team that you beat a couple of years ago?
2: Yes, I think that that is probably going to be the main concern from the coaching staff this week. Me and Brandon got to experience a few of those while we were at Kennesaw State. I remember coming off of a big win in 2017 and then going to Alabama State, who was supposed to not be a big opponent. And, I mean, Sutton, we were – there were three plays that Alabama State could have easily won that game and upset us that year. And that, that was a team that made it to the quarterfinals of the playoffs, very talented so easily to come off of such a high in a rivalry game like Jacksonville State and then go to an opponent that, like you said, you didn't play them last year. And and everybody hears the talk, but the coaches are going to keep honing in on these guys of, this is a different Hampton team. These guys are more talented. This is their Super Bowl. They want to beat you. You know, I mean, it's stuff like that that makes you really motivated to get out there and not let the upset be
1: pulled. And uh, I personally, knowing Coach Chestnut and what he tries to instill in these guys is the next game's the biggest game. We've heard it from Coach Bohan. and, and I, I know from from an offensive perspective, he's going to go into this game saying, "Hey, this game's the most important because it's the next game, and we're going to go into this game. We're zero and zero right now. This is the start of Big South play. Uh, everything before this has no meaning because now this is where you get your conference championship. If you want to go into the playoffs, the best way to do it is to win a conference championship." This is where that starts. So, Saturday is the start of a brand new season. Everything before this, hey, good job, but it doesn't matter anymore. Today is the start of the new year. So, they're going to come, they have to come with that mentality all week, be ready to play, and just do everything they can to get ready for the beginning of the rest of the year.
3: Yeah, I guess I can't t- attest to exactly how much it's going to matter, but I think there's. it's worth noting that they are coming off of a very emotional game against Jacksonville State. I think the part about that that's worth noting the most is that they were coming off of a bye week the week before. So we had two full weeks to get excited for Jacksonville state. We had two full weeks to hate Jacksonville state, to get all that, that aggression out. And again, it it might not matter in the end. Uh, I, I never played football at this level, obviously. So I wouldn't know, but it's worth saying something about, I think.
0: You have broadcasted at this level, Jordan.
3: I have, I have. Yep. Well, guys, we look forward to it. Two o'clock
0: kick. You can tune in at 120 for the KSU countdown to kickoff presented by Ingalls and the KSU Owls app. KSUowls.com and the TuneIn app. Watch on ESPN3, two o'clock kick, Kennesaw State at Hampton. If you are planning on making the trip to Hampton, please be aware of policies regarding attendance, COVID-19 and vaccination at Hampton University. This is a Hampton University policy. This is not something... In the Big South, we will see in other programs and universities that are road games this year. But please familiarize yourself, HamptonPirates.com. And it's the first thing up there. Football game day protocols update dated on September 23rd. Please review that if you're planning on making this trip to Hampton. Whether you're tuning in as a KSU fan from Virginia in the Tidewater area, or you're coming up from here in Kennesaw or anywhere else, please visit HamptonPirates.com for their game day protocols update. All right, guys, we're going to take a pause here at Inside the Nest. Coming up next, we will hear from offensive lineman Zion Katina, one of the big guys up front that's played guard, tackle, a little bit of everything for KSU. We'll have the Big South Blitz with Jordan Griffith, and then we'll come back and we will see if Barkley Miller remains in this cellar or if he can find a way to climb out. Coming up next, it's Zion Katina here on Inside the Nest. At Fifth Third Bank, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Just look at our name, Fifth Third. Five thirds equals 166.7%. So, according to the laws of mathematics, we are obligated to put 166.7% into everything we do. From our great customer service, to our security solutions, to providing you access to over 45,000 fee-free ATMs nationwide. This is banking a fifth third better. Learn more at 53.com.
3: Fifth
2: Third Bank, member FDIC.
0: It's our pleasure to be joined by offensive lineman Zion Katina here on Inside the Nest as the Owls celebrate their winner for Jacksonville State and are looking ahead and practicing for the Big South opener Saturday at Hampton University. And Zion, we've known you in the past as an offensive tackle. This year, you've slid inside and played a lot more guard What's the biggest difference between playing tackle and playing guard at Kennesaw State?
4: Uh, well, a lot of it is it's a lot of the same stuff as far as uh, fundamentals, but just being one, one more gap inside. Um, when I first moved over, I didn't, I didn't realize just being one more gap inside makes a lot – it looks a lot different than it does being out there on the end. There's a lot more, uh, uh, like, combo work with, uh, with the center and with the tackle. You know, when when you're outside, there's there's a lot of stuff that you're kind of doing on your own. But what I've, I've learned a little bit being on the inside is you're, you're working with with other people a little bit more. Um, so that's good. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I don't really have like a preference. Uh, I just knew going into the season, they said they they may have to move me around a little bit. And so, yeah, it was uh, some fun. I've, I've never played guard in my life. I've always been uh, at tackle. So it's it's been it's been new and it's been fun. And I'm
0: sure it's given you the opportunity, too, to help
4: out whoever's playing at
0: tackle, whether it's Dawson or another veteran guy, Matt Olson, who's coming back from injury, of uh, sharing your experiences. And I don't know, it is there times where you have to help and check some calls, too, depending on who's over there?
4: Yeah, it's it's been fun because, uh, you know, recently or in the past couple of seasons, those two guys have been in at guard. And I've been at tackle. So I've been kind of helping them out at tackle. But at the same time, they've been helping me out on the inside. So it's it's been good. Uh, it's always good to have guys that can play multiple positions, uh, just helping each other out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been good. I've been able to, we, we've been locked in on the same page so far. So uh, it's been good. So
0: I was speaking yesterday with Michael Goss, our sports information director for football. He said, yeah. The first day I came in the Kennesaw state, I'm sitting on the couch and there's this guy and he's got long hair and he, he, he taps me and he goes, Hey, I lost 13 pounds today. I almost passed out at practice. <laughs> Fast forward. Now that's you. Uh, where are we sitting weight wise? You're not losing 13 pounds anymore. Are you?
4: No, that was uh, I. Re- I remember that. That was uh during fall camp when, you know, it was as hot as could be. Um, we, we were taking taking weights every day and uh depending on how much you lost at practice you you had to put a certain amount back on and that was that day was the most that i i had lost but now i'm I'm back up where i need to be i'm I'm holding pretty steady right now since the season has gone started but yeah during during fall camp uh the the numbers were were fluctuating quite a bit
0: <laughs> uh, we spoke earlier here on inside the nest with Barkley and Brandon, and they talked about during fall camp of how you look at food differently because in the same situation, you lose a certain amount and you have to go put it on afterward. What did you do in fall camp for the time that you lost weight to have to go back and try to put it on?
4: I mean, it was basically, yeah, when when you're in camp, like you're not really eating because like you're hungry, you're eating because like you're trying to fuel your body, being able to go for practice. And then after practice, you're trying to refuel, making sure that you can get back where you need to be in order to wake up the next morning and, and go to work again. So, you know, we've, we've been blessed to be able to have a JD's barbecue. They, they, they cater all of our meals during camp and they do a good job of uh, keeping us fueled. But yeah, especially during camp, it's like a, it's just, it's a fuel thing. Like I'm not always hungry in the morning, but I know that like I got to eat if I want to give myself a chance to practice.
0: Talking to your teammates off the record, something that's interesting that comes up with you, Zion, is a lot of people seem to think that you made a big stride in fall camp and in, in late summer in fall camp and, and your game and how you go about your business. Would you say that's an accurate statement, and if so,
4: what changed? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I would, I would say that. I think I'd I, I have my, my best camps since I've been here. Um, I think what changed is just being here. This is my, my fourth year here now. Just having all the time and experience that I've been able to, to have and put in is, has definitely helped. I, I Like a lot of people, I, I struggled a lot early on in my time here. Um, but as time has progressed, you know, I've, I've progressed little, little by little every year. Uh, but I, I would definitely say that I've, I've probably made my biggest jump over, over the summer and, and fall camp.
0: It's been fun to watch you and the rest of the offensive linemen really get after Jacksonville State, got after Wofford a couple of weeks before, and see that progression as the young season has gone on. In what ways do you think this offensive line group has one has grown so far this year?
4: Uh, well, one, I think we're, we're starting to get a groove uh, just with having some of our personnel back. We've We've been pretty banged up early on in the season uh, at all positions, but but at O line, and we're we're now starting to get a consistent group of guys out there together, which I think is important just to have the chemistry, um, just getting in rhythm together. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna just we're gonna continue to go out to work, try to continue to build on that uh, as we go to start this conference play this week. Let's dive into this offensive line room.
0: Okay. what are the roles, and what are the personalities? I think we know jake Lassiter and and where he stands is a bell cow at the group and seems to be a funny guy when you run to, into him off the field, always in a good mood, but one that can also get in there and and really rally the troops. How about everyone else? you, nanafabu, Dawson, Olson, Jackson, some other names too. Take us through these roles and and who's who?
4: yeah. So like, like you said, uh, Jake is – Jake is definitely like he's – the, he's the leader of the group. Um, he's like a 10th-year senior. He's been around doing this for a long time. Um, and he comes out to work every day, and he, he tries to bring the rest of us along with him. Terrell Paxson is by far the funniest guy in the group. Arguably, I'd say Terrell Paxson might be the funniest guy on the team. Uh, he always, he's always positive, always got good energy. Uh, it's always lifting people up. Will Will's another guy. Uh, he's been here a while now. He's also kind of part of that that senior leadership. Um, he's he's played a lot for us, and a lot of guys look up to him. Uh, Matt Olson is everyone loves Matt Olson, but Matt doesn't talk like at all. He's a very quiet guy, keeps to himself. But you know, when when he's got something to say, everyone everyone's always listening to what he's got um James Dawson I love James Dawson he's a really good kid um he's gonna be a really good player for us he's just he's he's like the rest of the, the young guys right now you know still trying to find his way but he's gonna be he's gonna be a really good player in time and then your coach coach Chestnut, the offense coordinator
0: offensive line coach for someone that it just tunes in on Saturdays watches the game and doesn't see or or know a lot of the assistant coaches outside of Coach Bo. How would you describe Coach Chestnut?
4: Uh, He's intense and very intentional about everything he says and does. A lot of people probably only see him at practice or in games. He's, Like I said, he's very intense. Everything he does is for a reason. He's a little intimidating on on the field, but a lot of people don't get to see him off, off the field. He's a great guy great coach he, he cares about all of us you know he's all him and coach cook are always checking in seeing how everyone's families are doing asking if anyone needs anything uh he he's he's really fun to be around off the field he is on the field too but he's he's on on the field it's it's business it's time to work he's gonna let you know what you need to know um but it's all it's all for for the success of the team and uh for us players as individuals as well
0: yeah, I know this summer he took turns with different position groups, bringing him over to his house and having uh, fishing nights out there. Did, did you catch anything when
4: you went over this summer? I did not catch anything. Uh, we only had a few guys catch catch some when, when, when my group went out, but I, I unfortunately was not able to, to snag one.
0: Joined by offensive lineman Zion Katina here on Inside the Nest, getting ready for Kennesaw State and Hampton Saturday with a 2 o'clock kick. Okay, Zion, offensive lineman – dream about at some point touching the ball besides the center, you know, getting that right. chance to scoop and score or maybe it's something crazy where you get a tackle throwback pass. I mean, you got really got to be in, in, in talented and be in, in, in good tune with the offensive coordinator for that to happen. Right. Um, there's chances, you know, going downfield, throwing that game winning to spring along touchdown. I mean, there's, there's lots of things offensive linemen can dream about and doesn't
4: always get to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: what's your dream play
4: uh i would say me me and jake joke joke a lot about this one with uh coach chess and coach cook is uh like like you said like uh like a tackle throwback kind of play we actually we we ran we ran one you before i got here like in 2016 or something like that and it didn't work um but me me and jake always bring that up to coach coach chess and coach cook like hey like we got different personnel now. Maybe we should try it again. <laughs> uh, I don't see that happening, but it, that would probably be my my dream play. How far can you throw it? I don't know, probably like 50, 60 yards. I don't know. Okay. How far can Jake throw it? Further than me. Jake's got a good arm. Jake, Jake's jake got a good arm. He can he can throw it. We'll, we'll have to go out there and uh, test out the arms one day and have an yeah, offensive lineman
0: sure. throwing competition. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zion, thanks for joining us today on Inside the Nest. Uh, give you an opportunity here at the end if there's anyone that you'd like to shout out, whether it be a, a coach, a teammate, a family member, a fan, friends, anyone that you'd like.
4: Yeah. Uh, first, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, shout out my, my boys on the O-line. Shout out my family back home. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Well, Zion, thanks for joining us and best of luck against Hampton this Saturday. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Today tastes like movie night. Okay, whose turn is it to choose? And
0: everyone's favorite hit, pizza and Coke. Oh, sure. okay, okay. Today tastes like front row seats for all. <laughs> like cushions and popcorn. And counting the seconds. Pizza's here. Today tastes like a slice of the action. Hey, hit the light. Like we belong here and now. Stop. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes
4: better.
3: Welcome back to the Big South Blitz. I am Jordan Griffith, your host for this segment. Let's get you around to some Big South scores as well as some FCS scores. There were a lot of really close, really high anticipated matchups coming into this week. Let's see who got the best of who. First up in the Big South. North Carolina T advances over Robert Morris flip the scores North Carolina T 41 Robert Morris 14 another blowout in the big south Monmouth 54 Gardner Webb 17 Gardner Webb couldn't get anything going on offense and Monmouth had a big bounce back week after the loss to Holy Cross. Another big South game. Hampton falls to Norfolk State 47 44. I promise you that is a football score. They went into overtime. Norfolk State edging them out just by three points. So Hampton goes down and they're going to look to bounce back against Kennesaw State and the Owls go on the road. We will give you that preview here on Inside the Nest. Another big South game and the last one to round out the group. Campbell clobbering North Alabama, 48-31. to North Alabama football team struggling mightily in the Big South have yet to get a win on the board, whereas Campbell putting up 48 points, a big boost to that Campbell offense. So now that we are a few weeks into conference play for some of these teams, we have some somewhat reputable standings, and right now Monmouth at 2-0 to start it off. Again, they're at the top. Campbell underneath them at 1-0, as well as North Carolina A&T, right there in the middle of the pack. Kennesaw State and Hampton again in the middle because neither of them have played a conference game and of course these two teams play each other this upcoming saturday at the bottom all tied for last place gardner webb charleston southern robert morris and north alabama north alabama in dead last at 0 and 5 they've lost every single game obviously a five-game losing streak north alabama trying to figure some things out and once again these standings are very early on so it's not as though these standings are foolproof or concrete all of these teams are going to start knocking each other off and it's going to be a different standings coming into next week and then obviously week after week as Big South play continues this is going to change up quite a bit. Now looking at the rest of the FCS in week 5 you had a lot of big time juggernauts face off. First off you have the battle of the North Dakotas and that is North Dakota State versus North Dakota in the final score North Dakota State 16 North Dakota 10. These are both some of the best programs in the entire nation year in and year out. Speaking of James Madison weeks by new hampshire 23 to 21 new hampshire a team that was receiving votes in some of the polls certainly going to be getting more of those votes this week i believe james madison was favored by 20 or more points and they squeak a two-point victory out over New Hampshire. And now one of the most highly anticipated matchups of the season, Sam Houston State versus Stephen F. Austin. The Battle of the Piney Woods, or so Nathan McCurry likes to call it, 21-20 victory. Sam Houston State over Stephen F. Austin. The defending national champions continue their unbeaten season. And then another one to round out the notable FCF scores, Eastern Washington edges out Montana, 34-28. Eastern Washington, one of The most prolific offenses in the entire nation. They are looking really good this year. Again, a 34 28 win over a top ranked team in Montana. And that is going to do it here on the Big South Blitz, the who's who of the FCS. A great week for FCS college football, not only in the Big South, but just around the nation. All the juggernauts playing each other. You had some Big South teams go down and some standings finally carved out. I'm Jordan Griffith with the Big South Blitz. Let's get you back to Inside the Nest.
0: We know you're concerned for your health, but rest assured, we are here for you. Our hospitals, health parks, and offices are open and taking every safety precaution so you can get the care you need. Wellstar, more than healthcare, people care. Okay, here we go. Scoreboard time. First though, would you rather Jordan Griffith ask away, and get our minds to marinate on something we'd prefer to
3: do in the lesser of two evils. Okay. Now, with two linemen in this in this uh, podcast episode here, I think this is going to be pretty cut and dry for them, but we'll see. Would you rather eat the same thing for every meal for an entire year or be able to eat whatever you wanted but only once every three
0: days? Okay, question with this before I – while, while, while the former Lyman think it out, are we nutritionally satisfied once every three days? Or are we like
3: really hungry in the time in between? Are you asking me? Yes, I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure you're not going to be very happy in between the days because you can only eat. So about two and a half times per week on average. So pretty much twice a week, you can eat anything you want those two days, but that's pretty much it. Okay. That's it. That, okay. That's it but Again, you have that third day that kind of bleeds into the next week, but it's pretty much two days a week.
2: Well, I know what Brandon's gonna pick, but uh, and I think I'm gonna go with him on this one. I I couldn't eat the same thing every day for a year. I mean, I guess I could, but man, I, I'd be as miserable as I would be waiting to eat whatever I wanted every three days. So I'm gonna go with waiting to eat every three days and eating whatever I want.
1: And I, yeah, I agree with Barkley. That's that's exactly because I, I would if I'd eat the exact same thing every day, I'm going to start having JD's flashbacks and then I'm going to go on a rampage. So <laughs> I would much rather just wait. See,
3: I to- thought I, I thought you guys were going to go with the guaranteed food. I mean, I mean, you guys are going to be star- you are big guys. I, I, I don't know if you know that, but you guys are big guys. You you're going to need the food, right? Look, look, Jordan, uh, my
2: mind went exactly where Brandon's did. J.D. Camp flashbacks. J.D.'s makes great barbecue. Everyone likes it. Everyone gets excited to eat it until you eat it every day for three weeks straight. And they're mixing it up, too. I'm talking about, like, we're we're not just having pulled pork. Like, they're making breakfast and all this other stuff. But it's just, once you eat just that same profile for... (laughs) That long, you, you you were so miserable. Like, I I, I couldn't do it. I, I legitimately, after uh, I stopped playing football at Kennesaw, I didn't eat any barbecue for probably three years. I mean, it, it changes everything. And that's not a side of JD's. They make great food. It's just, man, doing barbecue every day for three weeks for three
3: years was – it was tough. Bar- Barclay, allow me to big time you because you're the line skipper in the, in the podcast. But I worked at a barbecue place for four consecutive years. Okay. And I, I would still eat barbecue every day for the rest of my life if I could. So I just think you're not that big of a barbecue fan. I'm sorry I'm calling you
1: out. Okay. In, in his defense, JG, in his defense, have you ever had to show up for a meal, step on a scale, have someone look you in the eye and say, you lost eight pounds. You need to put that back on in food before you leave. Every day. No. And
2: and guess what you do? You turn around and you go eat and you eat and then you step on the scale and you're only one pound down and then you just go drink a lot of water. It's look,
0: man, it it changes your view of of food. I'll tell you that. Okay. All right. I I respect that part. I I still think he's not as big of a barbecue fan as you and I are, Jordan, which is fine eh? to each their own. I'm going to go with whatever I want once every three days. Because I would, I would love that. It gives variety in my life. I think my stomach will adjust. It's going to shrink. I'll drink a lot of water. You know, there's lots of benefits of fasting. That's gonna be my answer. If I had the same thing over and over again, eventually I'm just I'm not gonna eat it. And I'm gonna end up eating once every three days. So I might as well have my choice of what I want.
3: Yeah, see, again, I'm I'm gonna I'm agreeing with you guys. I'm actually on this side as well. Uh, I mean, I eat almost the same thing. Every, I mean, look at my bank account. I have ramen noodles in my in my pantry, Velveeta. I mean, come on, I'm eating the same thing just about every other day anyway. So I'd rather have the variety. Hey, we feed you on Saturdays. Come yeah, on hey, exactly. Saturdays, like, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm some something that tastes different, but um, I, I can withstand not eating. And I, that's why I'm surprised that Sutton and Barkley went the other way. Cause I thought they would take the guaranteed food, but yeah, I, I, I could go without eating for was that four days on the week or five days on the week. I think, I think I could deal.
0: Okay. Jordan, since you're going to be producing this episode, we're going to take a little, little pause right here. Let people in on a, a radio secret.
4: I'm going to ask Zion this when we record our interview with Zion. I'm going with the first one then just one, one meal. I mean, you gotta stay field, you know. I, I'll, I'll just go with, with one thing every day for
3: the rest of my life. All right, let's uh let's recap the scoreboard. Uh, let's get the Barkley last because that's where he'll stay. Nolan, what do you got? I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan do and, and set with two as well. Okay. So would you what rather? do you have, Jordan? I have I have two.
0: I should have two. You have two. Okay. We all have two, and then C Dog and X have one. And me.
1: oh Oh, yeah asterisks Asterisks. i forgot asterisks
2: okay bring them on everybody can join me with one
3: (laughs) (laughs) the number one fact or fiction australia has over ten thousand beaches or that the so-called funny bone is actually classified as a non-essential tendon
4: the funny bone thing is true and the beaches is false
0: okay I'm going to ask this because this has been debated over the past year. What is essential and what is non-essential when it comes to tendons? How is there a non-essential tendon? i was
1: Nolan. I feel there's, there's something funky going on here. I,
3: I don't know. Uh, I, just, I, I just put the fact or fiction on the paper, and I just asked ask the questions. I feel like something that's essential and non-essential when it comes to body anatomy is
0: highly subjective, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know what you expect from me.
3: I'll give Jordan this. This is a tough one, man. Can you repeat the one about Australia? Australia has over 10,000 beaches, or that the so called funny bone is classified as a non essential tendon. All right. So I, I know
2: y'all are waiting because y'all are going to make me go first. So I can go. <laughs> out. So I'm going to go ahead and get this out the way. From what I remember in the little bit of nursing school I was in, the funny bone isn't a tendon, it's a nerve. So I'm going to say that's fiction and the Australian beaches when it's true. We'll, we'll see.
0: Maybe, maybe I'll
2: get out of the cellar. I don't know. I'm
0: going to I'm gonna go next, and I'm going to agree with Barkley because it's the so-called funny bone and then non-essential. That, that, <laughs> there, there's, too, there's too much questioning involved there. Australia is a big continent that I don't think people realize how big Australia is. Like if you go visit Australia, it's not like, hey, I went to Australia for a weekend, saw the whole thing. No, it's 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 large. So I think there's room for ten thousand beaches. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna agree with Barkley. Let's see if this is a oh, massive man, mistake. Or not. Here we
1: go. Sorry, fans, but I'm sad to say it. I also agree with Barkley for some strange reason. <laughs> wow. I know, I know, but my reasoning is mostly because, like, okay, I know nothing medical. Everything I know is everything Barkley tells me. So, but a non-essential tendon, like, that just doesn't sound right. I mean, I'm sure there's something in there, but it just doesn't sound right to me. So, I'm going to have to groove with the guys right now.
3: So, so, you're telling me if everything medical that you know comes from Barkley, when you guys were playing, you go to the side by holding your arm, and he said you strained your Adam's apple. You believe that? Nine times out of ten. Well, the knowledge I well guys, uh, you sniffed me out on this one. You all got it right. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, it, I think the non-essential thing. I tried to throw that in there to give it some more, you know, some gravitas, and it didn't work. It, I, I tried to add some more, some more oomph behind it, and uh, obviously, you guys sniffed it out. I'm ashamed. Uh, I am uh, going going over three like that's kind of tough. I probably won't <laughs> be able to sleep tonight.
2: Ooh! I'm out the cellar. I'm out the cellar. Barely. Barely, I answered first. How's that? Barely, y'all followed my lead.
0: Am I so That means, Markway? yeah, so that means Sutton oh. and I are in the lead. Let's go, Brandon. Let's do you it. Just, just can never let Barkley get close. Y'all,
3: <laughs> y'all just
2: keep following my lead. I'll lead us all the way to the top, guys. Don't worry. I know I'm, I'm not never,
3: trusting that. I know never to sneak anything medical past him. I didn't know you went to nursing school, non essential tendon. So then, well, so you just put non-essential
0: in there. So there, there's no classification of essential and non-essential tendons. I want to be clear. I completely made that up. Okay. Yeah. See, so I was right. Was of, I was, was right. Even, thinking. I,
3: I, hold on, hold on.
2: let, let me look up and see if the humorous is, uh, if it's a nerve it is,
3: or it is a nerve. it is a nerve, it is a nerve.
2: You are, you are right. Humorous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Slip that one in there.
3: But yeah.
1: Y'all didn't know that's what it's called.
3: Oh, now you're trying to big time us with knowledge. It is. It's a radio nerve. I was right.
2: Look at me. <laughs> yeah, funny. I
3: know. You, you, yeah. you did sniff me out. And see, I wanted. I would rather you have gone last because they would have already picked and then you would have been the only one that was right. And so I would have gotten at least some pride. And now I've been stripped of all of that.
2: Look, I'll give you this 10,000 beaches in Australia, like Nolan said, it is a very big continent that people don't get credit for. But I mean, that just sounds like ass, a lot of beaches. I know everybody knows, like, you know, Sydney and Bonsai. Bonsai is a famous beach there. But I, I didn't know that it was 10,000. That's pretty impressive. I'm looking
0: uh, up stuff on tendons. Hold on. If no there was, is
2: no, essential or non-essential
0: it, tendons. I hope somebody doesn't in, injure an essential tendon this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the announcer's jinx coming to play again? <laughs> hey, we, look, on ESPN broadcasts, right – we're we're neutral. We're we're down the line. Threw it out there about Cooper, hadn't completed a touchdown pass. And you know, didn't didn't get the broadcaster's jinxing the guy. Turned on fire touchdown pass. So credit to him. But hey, this this broadcaster's jinxing maybe fading away. Cause I think that's like the second or third time this year that I haven't jinxed someone on right before. So I, I think it maybe it's maybe it's becoming non essential. Ooh.
2: Non-essential broadcasters, jinx! I like
0: it. I will say this: in a very, very brief Google search, there no one is saying there's such thing as a non-essential tendon, but there is lots of things like, oh, you could live without this tendon, tendon, or it's not nearly as important as a ligament. <laughs> just yeah, throwing it just, out there.
3: I'm sure. I mean, we have two kidneys, so I'm sure it's a non-essential kidney is the other one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can give one away. One's not essential, clearly. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to trust my opinion over Barkley's medical facts from, from school. I understand your logic for not
1: trusting the guy, but
3: ah, well, medical not, knowledge? Ah, dude, now I have no credibility because now I'm tied with the guy. Can you, you know how this feels? Not only did I go over three, but now I'm tied with Barkley Miller. Dang right you are. So yeah. not only do you listen to Inside the Nest – to learn
0: more about Kennesaw State football, you learn facts about space. You learn about anatomy. We, we have our own curriculum here. Yeah. We can open up our own school of rock. What are we going to hit on next week? Who, who, who's got factor fiction next week? Is it Sutton?
1: Yeah.
2: It should be Sutton.
0: Okay. okay. I got some, that, got some fun stuff planned. Podcast crew, fun time as always. Looking forward to this weekend. Kennesaw State at Hampton, 2 o'clock kick. Listen on the KSU Owls app. KSUAls.com. Tune in app. Watch it on ESPN3 for Jordan Griffith, Brandon Sutton, Barkley Miller. I'm Nolan Alexander. Until next time, go Apps.